Good afternoon. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Ricardo Valerdi, an associate professor of systems and industrial engineering at the University of Arizona. Welcome, Ricardo. Thank you. First thing I have to ask you is, what is systems engineering? I think a lot of people have this uh, idea of engineers building widgets or rockets or something like that, but that's not exactly what you do, correct? Right. Systems engineers uh, live in a lot of different industries, and what we think about is the entire life cycle of a system or a product or a service, uh, from lust to dust, so to speak. We think about uh, the business requirements, the implementation, the sustainability, the operation, and then the, the uh, retirement of a particular system. So we're thinking about things in terms of decades. And what is it that you are particularly interested in? What is your research? The layer of that process that I focus on is the cost. How much should something cost? And that's a question of forecasting, actually. So we're looking at things like missiles in Tucson or fighter jets in Georgia or aircraft carriers or satellites, things that the government buys for a lot of money. And it turns out these things have a lot of software in them as well. So we need to understand before we start the project how much these things should cost. And why is it that it's an engineer doing these things? I think your background actually is something like electrical engineering at some point, but how does an engineer coming to be doing costing rather than, say, an accountant or something like that? Yeah, there's two reasons for that. The first one is the engineers typically know the technical details that drive the cost. In the software example, we need to know how many lines of code should be written and what those lines of code should do. So that is the primary driver of the software cost. The second reason an engineer is better prepared to do the cost estimate, and the emphasis is estimate, is that we have the right statistical background to do all of the data collection, simulation, optimization, and, and then presentation of those details. And so when things need to be adjusted or tweaked, the engineers can determine whether it's a realistic decision or not. And what specific part of the costing are you doing research on at this point? So I focus on primarily software-intensive systems. Like I said, things that, uh, that fly or crawl or, or float all have software in it. Uh, the tricky part is software doesn't weigh anything. So we can't base the cost of it based on how heavy it is. So we have to look at the bits now. And that requires us to build prediction models, forecasting models. And we're not the only industry to do that. Uh, in March, for instance, people are using their own models to predict who's going to win the NCAA tournament. Bracketology is very similar methodology. But in bracketology, you have years and years of playing the same basic game, whereas something like software, you're probably working with systems that people are developing brand new systems. How do you deal with that? That's correct. So we still use the same approach of looking at the past, looking at completed projects that are similar, and using those to build some relationships and hoping that the future looks very similar. Uh, same thing in, in basketball. We're looking at past performance between teams and using that to see how they're going to perform in the future. Sports seems to be creeping in here. I know that you're also the founder of an organization called The Science of Sport, I believe. How did you come to do that, and how does that relate to the things that you do as a systems engineer? 
before U of A, I was uh, teaching at MIT and got bitten by the Red Sox bug uh, when they broke the curse of the Bambino in 2004. So I was going to a lot of games and got to meet people like Bill James of Moneyball fame and realized that there was a very tight connection between my work in the defense department building prediction models and their work in the baseball industry, specifically what they call sabermetrics now, and trying to predict player performance in future years. And when I came to Arizona, this is the hotbed of baseball. Half of the 30 MLB teams train here in March. Uh, it became a very natural progression to use baseball to get more kids interested in math and science. As someone who learned how to do multiplication and division by calculating earned run averages, I can appreciate that. Thank you for coming in, Ricardo. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.